0: All right, we're in Lesson 5, which is talking about New Testament, the New Testament text and manuscripts. And we covered a little bit of this kind of quickly last week at the end. So I'm going to go back over some of the things we studied last week. If you were here last week, uh, if you weren't, it'll be new unless you watch the uh, stream or listen to the podcast. So... Um, so we're going to kind of, yeah, just kind of go back over some of this, so we can kind of set our uh, set ourselves up to uh, get through the rest of the lesson. Hopefully, we maybe we can get through it tonight. But uh, we're talking about um, the the writings that we have that led up that, that we that we know that have been translated that have been turned into our English Bible, so that we can read God's Word today. And, and that's really where to begin? The way we know about God, the way we know about His plans, the way we know about His will for us is through the things that have been written. And that is, I think, made plain in the Scriptures. I want to look at a few of the, these passages that I have on the screen. If you, would, if you wouldn't mind uh, turning to these and we'll read them. If somebody wants to read, I'd be glad to uh, let you. We'll start in Luke 24 and just understanding how important the written word is for our understanding of God and his purposes and his plans. Uh, Luke 24, beginning in verse 44. Anybody have that one? Go ahead. Gene, go ahead and read it for us, please. Then he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So twice there, Jesus mentions the things that had been written, the things... Uh, written in the Law of Moses and in the Prophets and the Psalms, back in verse 44, which we're going to get into this in a later lesson, but those were the three different areas into which the, the, the Jewish people they divided their scriptures. There was the, the Law, which is the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Prophets, which included the historical books. <laughs> They called them prophets as well, but also included um, what we would consider most of the major prophets. And then the, the minor prophets were all contained in one book. Uh, their, their arrangement is a little bit different than ours. And then the writings, or this says Psalms, sometimes it's called the writings, which is the Psalms, Proverbs, wisdom, literature, and a few others. And again, maybe we'll get into that in a later lesson. But Jesus emphasizing the, the things that were written about Him. Uh, written some of them a thousand years or more before He came to the earth. Those things that, that had been shared. Um, John 20, well, we don't have to turn to that. In John 20, 30, and verse 31, many other signs Jesus did in the presence of His disciples, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believing have life in His name. John said, I, I wrote these things down So that you might have faith, so that you might believe. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 36 and 37. And if somebody wants to go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 3, we're going to read that one right, right behind it. 1 Corinthians 14. I have it. Go ahead, Teresa. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. All right. We might have 1 Timothy 3, 14, 15? Right. Go ahead, Ralph. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed by the nations, believed on in the world, taken up the glory. All right. So both of these, uh, of course, the words of Paul, but talking about, you know, the things that he said in 1 Corinthians, the things he was writing were the commandment of God. He said to Timothy, I'm writing to you so that you can know how to conduct yourself uh, in the church. So... Uh, again, it's, it's all about making sure we understand how important writing has been for God's people from the time of Moses until now. Writing has been important. And that is, you know, to this day, we're 1,900 years after the completion of the New Testament. We'll say, we'll say the New Testament was completed around the year 100. Uh, it might have been a little before that, but just given a nice round number... The New Testament was completed by the end of the first century. We're living in 2023, so a little bit more than 1,900 years after the completion of the New Testament. That is a long time. That is a very long time. So how do we, living today, know what was written 1,900 years ago plus? Right? Because some of it, you know, the Old Testament was written, finished more than 400 years before Jesus. So we're looking at, you know, 2300, 2400 to 3000 years ago. Some of the things in the New Testament or Old Testament were written down. So how do we know what has been written? What is actually the word of God? Well, it comes down to. We have the word passed down through generations. Again and again and again. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, in in some respects, we don't have the original documents that were written by the apostles, by other writers in the New Testament. None of those exist anymore. By the way, we call those autographs. Those are the very first ones. They have long since disappeared. And that's why I say, I, I say, Partially, unfortunate, unfortunately, because you know, just to actually have the to see the document, then we would know, you know, exact for certain what Paul wrote, because uh, it would be his his writing or whoever he uh, had as his penman. But at the same time, if we had those, you know, they'd be up in some shrine somewhere, being worshipped as though they were divine in and of themselves. Uh, so we don't have the original documents anymore, but we do have are many, many, many handwritten copies, which we call manuscripts. And that abbreviation there in the parentheses, MSS, that's the abbreviation for manuscripts. Or if it's just one, it'll be MS, uh, singular plural. Uh, we have these copies, and copies of the New Testament documents were probably being made in the first century. And for an example of that, I point you to Colossians 4 and verse 16 where Paul tells the Christians in Colossae to make sure that the Christians in Laodicea read the letter that he was sending to them. And on the flip side of that, he said, make sure that you read the letter that I sent to the Laodiceans. And probably the most likely way they did that was they made a copy and sent it on. Or they made a copy to keep for themselves so that they could read it again and sent sent the original on to that other church. So copies were being made very, very early and have continued to be made throughout the history of the early church. And many copies, some of them very early. As we get further into the lesson tonight, we're going to see how early some of these are. Many are still, we use the word extant, are still in existence today. You, You can go to museums and look at some of these. Early copies of the New Testament. Now, some of them are a little more than a fragment, like maybe a little piece of papyrus that big with just a few letters on it, but we can tell by the arrangement of the letters that are there that it was a copy of something from the New Testament. We're going to get into some of that. But how does the New Testament stack up to other ancient writers. Do you have a question? Or, I thought I saw. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll take a question. <laughs> okay, Marion has a question. So who we'll, we'll pulled all of these letters together and put them under uncover? We're going to get into that into later lessons, I think, when we get into the canon of the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, just a kind of a short... Summaries. it started very early as they would get, you know, copies of these like, you know, a church may get, you know, a copy of a letter from Paul. Well, then they may get another copy of a letter from Paul and they may keep those two together because they recognize they're both letters from Paul. They might get a copy of Matthew and Luke's gospel and they'll keep those together because they're the same. And, and it slowly builds over time. You know, you got a collection of Paul's letters, you got a collection of gospel accounts, and so on and so forth. So, that's kind of a short version of that. We'll get into that in some detail, I think, later on. You got? I can remember before I became a Christian opening the Bible and reading the letters, and I thought, you know, I have this. Image of what the Bible was in my head, and I can remember my reaction was, These are just letters. <laughs> you know, what's special about them? Yeah. You know? Well, what's um, special about them is, is who wrote them and who was guiding the writing. Right, that um, was my first. Yeah. But that is, I mean, you know, as far as in terms of number of books, the majority of our New Testament are letters. Most of them written by Paul, you know. Um, So uh, and even Luke and and Acts are addressed to an individual (laughs) almost as if they were a letter. I don't think they're letters, but they are addressed to somebody uh, in that sense. So but again, we will definitely probably get more into that um, in future lessons. But let's let's talk about it may even be the next lesson, to be honest. But um, let's talk about. You know, when it comes to how, how does how does the New Testament stack up to other ancient writings in terms of you know how well documented they are? And again, we did some of this last week, and, and I, I I put it in a chart on the PowerPoint this week, so hopefully you can see that. I know that's a little bit small, uh, but I had to, I wanted to fit it all into one slide, so I'm gonna you know kind of go through it, but. Uh, Plato. That's P L A T O, not the stuff you played with as a kid. But <laughs> Plato, the philosopher, the Greek philosopher, who whose writings we're we're from you know we're familiar with today. Um, you know, probably elementary philosophy not not like elementary, but like you know lower level philosophy classes in college study the works of of Plato. I don't know. I didn't take a lot of philosophy classes, so um, but. You know, the dates that we have for his work, somewhere between 427 and 347 BC. The earliest copies of of a work of Plato come in in AD 900. That's a difference of about 1,200 years. A lot of these are round numbers, by the way. So it's not exact, but... um, And by the way, we only have seven manuscripts of works of Plato still in existence today. That's a very small number and a large gap. Same thing with the works of Herodotus. Herodotus is a famous Greek uh, historian who told us, it's thanks to Herodotus we know most of what we know about things going on with Greece and Persia during that intertestamental period, that 400 years, uh, you know, when scripture wasn't being written. Herodotus is how we know a lot of what was going on in that time period, at least up until you know the end of the fifth century B.C., which is when he wrote 480 to 425, found the earliest earliest manuscripts in A.D. 900. Again, a gap of about 1,300 years. There are eight extant manuscripts that we can go and look to and say, okay, this is a copy of the works of Herodotus. Moving up the list a little bit, Tacitus, Roman historian. Um, We know a lot about the Roman Empire from his writings. uh, Written around the end of the first century. Earliest manuscripts that we have, AD AD 1100, 1,000 years. 20 copies available. Taking a big leap up the list, (laughs) Homer. Specifically the Iliad, which is the story of the, the Trojan War and uh, all, all of those, you know, Achilles and, and all of those heroes from, from from that story, written around 900 BC. So this is about the same time as Solomon, uh, you know, roughly speaking. Earliest manuscripts available were out from around 400 BC. That's a gap of only about 500 years, and there are 643 copies uh, that we know of that have been found. By the way, these numbers, uh, you know. The chart that I'm working for from this is, you know, these numbers may have been updated since. I don't know how exactly how old the chart is, but it gives you a picture of, you know, those first three. How how little textual evidence, and how far it is spaced out from the original, and yet nobody really questions those. We, if we read a copy. Or if we read the works of Herodotus, we think we are reading the works of Herodotus, even though we only have eight manuscripts and the earliest of those, 1,300 years removed from the original. We, nobody really disputes when they read the Iliad. You know, well, I'm, read, I'm reading Homer. I'm reading what Homer wrote in 900 B.C. Of course, we have, it's a little bit better documented. 500 years difference, 643 manuscripts. Let's move on to the New Testament, shall we? When was the, okay, New Testament was written in the first century. We're looking between, I'm going to say a nice round number of 50 to 100 A.D. We'll just make it a nice round number. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty on that right now. Um, The earliest manuscript and we're going to talk about this one in a few minutes the earliest manuscript that is in existence that we have found is from the year 130 and not to get ahead of myself but it is a very it's a fragment from a copy of the gospel of john which most likely was written in that last decade of the first century. So you're looking at a difference of about 40 years compared to more than 10 times that. By the way, Homer is the best documented ancient document other than the New Testament. So how much, how much more evidence is there for the New Testament than all of these other... By the way, 5600 manuscripts. I'm pretty sure that number is higher today than whenever that chart was made, but still, more than, you know, it's it's a huge difference. The point being is that the New Testament is the best recorded, best documented ancient writing with thousands of manuscripts still available and and closer to the originals than any other Significant writing from the ancient world by a long shot, by, 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 you know, if if it was an, if it was an election, we would say they won in a landslide. Right. Uh, It's a huge difference. So we take that information and what it should do is boost our confidence that we know, we know what Paul wrote. Okay, we have faith, right? We we have, but we also have the evidence too. Okay, evidence does not negate faith. Faith does not negate evidence. We have have both. (laughs) We believe that Paul wrote these things, but we also have plenty of of, of solid documentation that these are the things that Paul wrote some 2,000 years ago. And and the same with the other writers. I'm just using Paul as an example. Um, So let's talk about manuscripts. Let's talk about different types of manuscripts that we might find. Uh, First or two are gonna be the writing style that we might see. The oldest are gonna be what we call unseals. They're written in all capital letters. There is no spacing, there is no punctuation. And and if if you got to the end of a line and you weren't finished with the word, you just moved on to the next line and you kept writing. Imagine that probably be pretty difficult to read, don't you think? Why don't you try it? <laughs> Anybody want to give it a shot? <laughs> but that's kind of what it I mean, that, that, that's of course using our English character. But that's kind of what it would look like. You know, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an app. <laughs> and the, the, the line ends. But you go on to the next line, it's apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which, <laughs> you know... I guess if you were used to reading like that, you'd probably do okay with it. But uh, even, I, I, I type that, and I still have trouble reading it, um, just because I'm not used to reading like that. But that's, that's what an uncial would look like, in our, like in, in our language. Everything joined together, everything all in capital letters. Um, but those are the oldest manuscripts that we have, because that was the way that they wrote uh in in those early centuries uh later on much later on i think i have it here as um like eighth maybe even ninth century uh, you start to see what we call cursives or minuscules and that's a little bit more closer to what we're used to looking at it's upper and lowercase letters Um, and this this is where most of our manuscripts do come from most of our manuscripts are older Um, or newer, I guess you could say. They come from those later time periods. Um, But when we can find the, the older manuscripts, the ones that are closer to the originals, and we compare the two, they're pretty much the same. And any differences there are really don't change anything. They don't change doctrine. It's slips of the pen, spelling errors, that kind of thing. And we will talk more about textual criticism uh, going forward. Um, this is the same passage I had up there a moment ago, it, but it looks it's a lot easier to read. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son. That's Romans 1, 1 and 2, by the way. Yes? Do we know or do we have to suspect how the Apostles wrote. Would they have written as a useful or a cursive? No, they would have written in the in the style. They would have written all capital letters because that was the style of writing. That was how they did it. So, um, and like I said, I guess if you were used to reading that, it wouldn't have been much of a problem. But um, paper was more important than hmm? probably the the papyrus or whatever was more important. But- limited space. It, it, that had had a lot to do with it. So that's why, you know, you would just keep writing until you got to the end of the line. You wouldn't, you know, um, you, you would maximize the amount of space. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, about, we talked a little bit about Papyrus, which would have been their main writing source. And um, I don't know how rare it was, but you want to make sure you made the mo- most of it. And you know, make sure you got you got all you could out of it, and we're actually going to talk about another type of manuscript that they really did make the most of it in just a second. Uh, so those those are the two um, writing styles. All in uh, all, in capital letters, if it's easier to remember it that way, or you know, capital lowercase letters, uh, the minuscule style. Uh, let's talk about some types of. Manuscripts, like the documents, we'll actually find how they're collected or what they're how they're written out. Um, one of the most important uh, is what we know as the codex, and that's kind of the ancestor of the book as we know it. I mean, if you looked at a codex, you'd say, "Oh, that's a book," because that's what it is. It's sheets of papyrus or parchment or vellum or printed out in or copied out on single pages and bound together. Uh, I think I showed this picture before, the um, uh, copy of John 1, 1 through 14. It's on papyrus, but it's, it's bound together in a codex form. And some of the oldest, most complete manuscripts that are available to us are in this format. We'll see some of those going forward. This is the one that I actually did not know about <laughs> before doing this study, or at least I had forgotten about it. It's called palimpsest. I think that would be how you pronounce it. and it is a parchment manuscript in which they scraped off or somehow erased the original ink and then reused it kind of kind of what we were talking about a moment ago, Martha, where you know you you you, you reused it because it wasn't readily available and you had this there so. You reuse it to write something else. Uh, we have a few that are, that are like this. For, this. This is an example of one, and I don't know how we can see it. This is uh, Codex Wellfurbitanus. I'm not, I don't know. But you can see, you know, kind of in the foreground of that, the, the black script and some of the red uh, illuminated letters there on the left side of the columns. But you can kind of see behind that, there's something that looks kind of faded. And that's most likely what happened is they, they, they found, you know, they scraped off whatever ink was there or they had certain ways they could, you know, erase it for lack of a better word. Well, when you take these documents and examine them, put them under certain, certain lighting, sometimes they use chemical reagents on them, that older writing would kind of start to show up again. And we do have some documents that, and this is an example, and um, let's see, that particular manuscript is from the 6th century and contains portions of all four Gospels. I think it looks kind of hard to read because you've got what's in the front of it, but uh, there's still, the documentation still there. The writing is still there. And uh, that's a way they can uh, read What was written, Uh, papyri or papyrus, probably have more of these than anything. And unfortunately, because papyrus is very fragile, uh, it doesn't last long. You know, it's made from plant material that's found along the Nile River. And uh, usually all we have are are fragments, little pieces. Uh, For example, this is the, the Ryland's papyrus, which is from the second century. This is the one I mentioned to you. That's from 130 or AD 130, 40 years after John wrote it. It's a small portion of John 18, uh, a very small portion, just a few verses really, but it's it's documentary evidence. It, what it shows us is that these documents. This was found in Egypt, by the way. John most likely wrote from Ephesus, right? So within 40 years, John's gospel had made it from Ephesus, at least as far as Egypt. That tells you something about how far these documents were being circulated, how important they were to the early Christians, that they were being copied like that. And though all we have left of this particular document is this tiny little piece, it just shows us how How those things were being moved around the ancient world so quickly Uh, and so so well, so uh, expertly as well. Um, So papyrus is a very important tool, even if we don't have a lot. In some cases, um, you know, we have what we do have. Another important resource. Or what some would refer to as the early church fathers. If you're not comfortable with that, you can just call them early Christian writers. Um, but these are men who wrote in the second, between the second and the fourth century, so within a few hundred years of, 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 the, of the first century. And I believe we mentioned this in a previous lesson, if you go to their writings and, and you, you read all of the quotations of the New Testament that they quote in their writings, you get all but eleven verses of the New Testament out of some, I think, some seven thousand, almost eight thousand verses. There are eleven that were not quoted by the early church fathers in those first few hundred years. Uh, so that's an important resource. If if we didn't have any, you know, copies of the New Testament, we'd have most of it right there in their writings. It's how important they, they, they found these documents to be. That they were copying them, quoting them, sending them around, writing you know, to one another, to other churches, uh, writing defenses of the Gospel, writing defenses of the Christian faith, writing against um, heretics that were popping up in their time period. And they quoted almost the entire New Testament from in one way or another. Yeah, Jim? We have those manuscripts. I'm pretty sure we we do. I, I don't know what the, the the like the numbers are, but you can go and you can get copy. I mean, you can find the early church fathers online for free. Uh, you can read you know all that they wrote. And I have uh, on one of my Bible software. I, I have these these writings. There's like nine volumes of these writings from the. Some you know, some even go back to the first century. Clement of Rome wrote probably around the same time as John, but stretching out into the third cent- or the fourth century BC or AD. Um, so, again, I don't know the numbers on compared to <laughs> those other writings, but we do still have them. Still, you can still read them today. Mary, um, have you already discussed the Old Testament? Not yet we haven't gotten to the Old Testament yet, mainly because, you know, our, you know, we believe the Old Testament. It's important, but our, our main focus is, is the New Testament. Um, so that's coming in a couple of lessons. So, um, one other resource, one other type of manuscript, if you will, are, are what we call lectionaries. Now I know that, that, that can be a some denominational groups still today use lectionaries, and so we might shy away from that term, but it was common in the early church that they had these books constructed and designed to be used in a worship setting. So they would have select readings assigned to particular days or particular Sundays, and rather than taking, you know, especially if you had a, a codex handwritten. Of the entire Bible, those things were huge. <laughs> um, you know, wasn't easy to do. So they had these smaller printings, these smaller copies that might have select verses on. You know, um, you know, on the first Sunday of the year, first Sunday of the year, you might read these passages. You know, and there would be you know teaching from those passages and things of that nature. Uh, the thing about these lectionaries is. Similar to the early church fathers, um, if all other manuscripts of the New Testament were lost, we could still reconstruct about 90% of it from these documents that, that we have that were used in the early church. Uh, sometimes for convenience sake, but still they used them and they had the scriptures copied into them. So even if it's not, you know, a full copy of the book of John it can still be important because we can still compare it to other documents and understand, you know, they were writing the same thing. They were copying down the same thing. Real quickly, let's talk about some important manuscripts that are available. I already mentioned the Ryland's Papyrus from 130, maybe 40 years after the writing of John. Contains a small fragment of John 18, 31 to 33. And then on the, the backside side. Uh, verses 37 and, and a few verses following. I've shown you a picture of it. Again, it's tiny. There's not a lot there. There's, there's enough there. We can determine it was portions of John. Um, but it's tiny, and it's in a museum. Um, I'm not exactly sure where. I have that somewhere, but... Um, I'm not sure where. Uh, here's scans of both sides of the Rylans. Document and um, kinda, I, I can't even really make out what it says. But uh, somebody with a more trained eye than I, ha- I can figure it out. That's part of, of John's gospel. Um, the Oxy Oxy Papyri. <laughs> uh, mid. Th- this is a collection. Of documents found in Egypt. I, I want to say they were found in a garbage dump. They were set to be burned and somebody found them. And, and it's it's not just, it's not just scripture. There are secular works in there as well, but there is a lot of scripture. Some of it as early as the second century AD. Um, so it's, it, it, again, it just gets us closer to the originals, you know, within a hundred years or, or Yeah, within a hundred years of the originals, uh, we have copies of the documents that make up our New Testament. Here's a picture of uh, a page of Matthew 1 from that manuscript. As you can see, it has a lot of holes in it. There are places it's been taped together um, because it's papyrus. It wasn't made to last. Uh, Thankfully, it was in Egypt where the climate is a little bit better for these things lasting. Um, but even then, they're, they're still falling apart, unfortunately. Uh, and again, some of them, you know, are 1,800 years old, you know, eighteen to 1,900 years old. So it's remarkable that we still have even this. So uh, the Bodmer papyri, as early as AD 200, again, it's a collection of both secular and religious works. Um, it has portions of John, the earliest known copies of First and 2 Peter and Jude. So again, that's as early as 200, the beginning of the 3rd century. Not a very huge gap, when you, especially when you compare it to other writings. It's a very small gap. And we have copies of those writings uh, very early on. I don't have a picture of that one, unfortunately, but let's get into these, these last three. And these are probably some of the most important uh, in terms of their completeness. The first is Codex Vaticanus, so named because it is housed in the Vatican. (laughs) It is from the 4th century, so 300s, and it is one of, actually probably the earliest, most complete of the entire Bible in Greek. Okay, the Old Testament is the, the Septuagint in the Greek language, but it has also most of the New Testament. So, and it is the, I mean, you're looking at around 200 years after, you know, 200 to 300 years after the origins. Remember the works of Homer are 500 years removed from the original, the earliest copies that we have. Uh, and you can still go and, I mean, there there's still chances you could see this codex today. Here's a picture of it on display in Warsaw. Uh, 2015. That's what seven, eight years ago. You know, it was it was on display. You can see it in a, you know, in a book format. Well, we would call it a book. You can see, uh, well, you can't really see the writing. Uh, it's very tiny. The three columns, all in Greek. Um, and I'm not sure what passage that would be turned to, because um, I can't really read it. But. Uh, That's just to show you you what this looks like. It's an important piece of evidence in the chain taking us back to the originals. It's the the oldest, most complete. It's not entirely complete, but it is the most complete. Uh, Codex Sinaiticus. Anybody want to take a guess where that might have been found? (laughs) It was found in a monastery Mount Sinai. Uh, I'm not sure of the date of its finding, but it's dated, again, to the 4th century. I think a little bit later than, than Vaticanus, but still 4th century. Um, and it does com- contain a complete copy of the New Testament. All 27 books within 300 years of the original. Written in Greek, of course. Uh, it has a good bit of Old Testament in it. There are some Old Testament passages that are missing. Again, they are also written in Greek. Um, you can, this is just a page uh, Matthew 6, 4 through 32. So, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, um, spoken by Jesus, and uh, written in that unsealed uh, style, those capital letters all joined together. So, I'm sitting here, I'm trying to see if I can pick out words, but I I really can't because it's all joined together. Um, I think I can pick out the the Greek word chi, which is and, simple word. Uh, But other than that, uh, if I sat down with it long enough, I might be able to pick out some others, but uh, I haven't just sat there and poured over it for a long time. I just wanted to show you a picture of what it might look like. And then the final one to consider Codex Alexandrinus from the 5th century, so you're looking at 400, so a little bit later than the other two, but still relatively early and extremely early in terms of ancient documents, ancient manuscripts and what is still there. And and, and just I guess the thing to think about here is if these copies are still there, you know, how many other copies were there circulating? You know, maybe maybe some we haven't found yet. I don't know. You know, there's still a lot of archaeology and work being done. I mean, the the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered what 70 years ago, something like that, uh, 40s or 50s, I think it was, of seven, 70, 70 some 60, 70. I don't know. Um, I don't do math. But um, you know, so there's still more to be discovered. Uh, but, oh, by the way, this is. Um, passage from Mark in Codex Alexandria, by the way, found in Alexandria, Egypt, which was a, you know, literary hub of the ancient world. Uh, Alexandria boasted, I mean, it was where the uh, Old Testament was translated into Greek. Uh, It boasted some of the, one of the greatest libraries the world has ever seen in terms of all the documents that were gathered there, unfortunately, there, it, it burned at one point and a lot of those documents were lost. I don't know what the dates were of that, but here we have something that was found in Alexandria, uh, written and within 500, within 500 years of the completion of the New Testament. And it has... Um, I think it has the complete New Testament, maybe most of the Old Testament... Uh, But again, written in that Greek uh, unsealed style. Uh, Those are the oldest complete manuscripts. I've sold you some of the oldest partial manuscripts. Those are the oldest complete or nearly complete manuscripts. And, And when they're compared, you know, some of these weren't discovered until the you know, 18, 1900s. But when they're compared to the copies that we already had, they're 99% 99% the same and again that 1% really doesn't make a difference it's again scribal errors they're not changing any doctrine they're not you know not messing with the text when you're writing things by hand it, it, mistakes happen <laughs> uh, you might misspell something you might you know miss a letter or something like that um but we're talking thousands of years. And it still looks the same as it did then. So that, that's a, a huge, huge, um, <clears throat> uh, vastly important piece of the chain that gets us from the, Old Te- the New Testament when it was written. And what we read in our Bibles today in our own language, and we're going to talk more about that as we go forward. Next week, uh, we'll talk some more about we'll talk about the canon. Um, and by canon, we're not you know we're not shooting things. We're talking about the documents that make up the New Testament. And if you are reading along in the book How We Got the Bible, that'll be chapter seven through ten. That will correspond with next week's lesson. And uh, we'll look at uh, how we understand which books should be included in our New Testament. Because there were other things written in the first century. Not just, you know, the books we know in the Bible. There were other things written that some people at one point thought maybe were inspired. But how do we, under, how do we know that these are the 27 that were meant to be preserved? That's what we're going to get into next week. So I'm out of time for tonight. So we'll pick up there next week. I hope that uh, we'll be able to uh, dive a little bit deeper into our study together. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and attention tonight.